fire rescue, EMS, law enforcement. These are the three components of public safety, and those who answer the call are the first responders. Welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders with your host, Steve Green. Five Alarm Task Force presents some of the best instructors and mentors in public safety today to educate, elucidate, and entertain. No topic is out of bounds and every opinion has value. Five Alarm Task Force is brought to you by Insight Fire Training, LLC, your best bet for fire service, thermal imaging, camera training, and by the Firehouse Tribune, where you can expand your horizons in emergency services and learn to work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. And our promotional partner is Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, Hennessy Distributing, your source for the cool towel, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, fighting to extinguish firefighter cancer since 2004, the Firefighter Cancer Sport Network, Nesta Bars, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. Remember, our ultimate goal is for you to be safe and return home after every call. So insert those earphones or turn up those speakers. The Five Alarm Task Force is being dispatched right now. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Whenever you're listening, welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. I'm your host, Steve Green. We're happy to have you with us. Uh, my guest today will be Executive Assistant Chief Todd LaDuke of the Broward County Sheriff's Office Fire Rescue Services. Chief LaDuke has been a long-standing friend and supporter of the podcast, been on several times with great information, especially dealing with firefighter health, wellness, safety, and of course, the cancer and mental health initiatives. And he'll be with us in just a few minutes, just a few items, uh, quick items to go through. If this is your first time with us, we are pleased to welcome you to our podcast. Happy you dropped by. After you listen to this one, if you'd like to listen to some of the others that are in our library, you can just go to our website at www.dalmatianproductions.tv, click on the podcast tab at across the top right side of the page, and it'll take you directly to our library, and you can share, you can download, you can listen live, whatever you'd like, but that's our entire library. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope you'll keep coming back for our new episodes. If, while, if you're on our website, then you can go to our homepage, and on the homepage, you can put in your email and subscribe to our newsletter. No, we don't send out any spam. We just send out the newsletter several times a year. That's about it. Your email is protected. We will not sell it. We will not give it away unless there's a legal reason to do so. So feel free. Drop us uh, your email in that little box on the homepage, and we'll be happy to add you to our subscribers to our newsletter. If you follow us on Facebook, hey, please do not forget to like us. You can find us forward slash Prod or forward slash Fire. Either one or both. Like them both. Leave us some comments. We'd like to hear what you think of the show and any ideas you might have for a new show. We'll do our best to ha have it happen. And if you listen to us through a podcast platform, most of those platforms have a way for you to leave a review of the podcast using some stars and a few, a few words of comment. So please, we ask you, please give us a great review, five stars and great review. And it's very important because, number one, it changes the way that platform sees our podcast. It raises us up higher 
in their eyes to see all these good reviews for our podcast. And secondly, if somebody is looking for our podcast by searching for the words Five Alarm Task Force, they'll find us more quickly on those platforms where you've left great reviews. So we really appreciate your help with that very much. And finally, if you were regular listening to our podcast and you want to share that information, please, number one, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell anyone you can about our podcast, especially those in the first responders, fire, uh, law enforcement, EMS, Red Cross, recovery operators. Our shows are basically cover the whole gamut of first responders as a whole picture. And then sometimes we do focus on firefighting as a close-up of what we do. However, if you'd like to share all that uh, interest you have in care for our podcast and help a great charity at the same time, we ask you to please visit our little store. It's a very small store with our friends from Teespring at bit.ly forward slash Dalmat store with a capital D and a capital S and Dalmat store is just one word after the forward slash bit.ly forward slash Dalmat store. We have several t- uh, t-shirts you can choose from and several hot beverage mugs you can choose from. If you want to send them to yourself, go ahead. We'll take care of making sure that gets shipped out to you. If you're, It's a gift. All you have to do when you check out is put in the address of the person you're, you want the gift sent to and we'll send it out to them directly. You don't have to worry about anything. And if you have any problems with any of our products that you've purchased, please let Teespring know. Report to Teespring and they'll let them know it's our store from Dalmat Prod, Dalmatian Productions, and they'll help you settle any problems you might have. And basically, that's it. All we want you to do now from this point is either sit back and enjoy the podcast, get those legs pumping and you're doing your exercises and listening to the podcast, or taking a nice, good, strong walk and listening to the podcast, or driving down to the office listening to the podcast. That's what we hope you'll do. So we'll be right back with our guest, Todd LaDuke, right after these words. Please stay tuned. New technology for the fire service seems to appear almost every day, and that technology demands a learning curve, especially if we're talking about thermal imaging cameras. That's where Insight Fire Training LLC is your best bet. With an excellent reputation across the U.S., Insight Fire Training will meet all your TIC training needs. Their curriculum is peer-reviewed and has been used internationally. Their instructors are Level 1 Thermography Certified, and they have taught in 33 states and 4 countries. Their courses run from introductory to training the trainers. Courses are available online, for the classroom, classroom hybrid, and even live fire. Insight Training LLC is proficient in over 40 thermal imaging cameras, so you feel confident they will know your make and model. Best of all, programs are customized to your specific needs, and their cadre of fire service veterans are vetted craftsmen of Project Kill the Flashover. They are so proficient that they have trained tick manufacturers on how to best use and sell their own product. That's Insight Fire Training, LLC. Look them up on InsightTrainingLLC.com, your best bet for tick training. Would you like to meet up with Andy and the team from Insight Training? Well, 2019 will be the year to do it. Here's some of their upcoming schedule. This weekend, April 19th to 20th, Hampton, Pennsylvania. 
two-day classroom and live fire tactical thermal imaging training with instructors Andy Starnes and Thomas Anderson. April 26th to 28th, Caddo Parish, Louisiana, a 12-hour live fire and classroom presentation on tactical thermal imaging, enhanced search methodology with instructors Andy Starnes and Thomas Anderson. May 2nd to the 4th, the VCOS Fire Chiefs Conference. Instructor Andy Starnes presents spiritual survival in the fire service. All proceeds go to charity. May 10th through 12th, West Virginia Public Safety Expo. Insight Training will conduct an eight-hour live fire training event where students will complete various scenario-based objectives. This course is well attended and it has our third year teaching here. It represents Kanawha County region and a few states surrounding West Virginia. Instructors Thomas Anderson, Terrence Shoemate, Andy Starnes, and Joey Baxter. June 14th, North Metro Fire Department in Colorado for an eight-hour tactical thermal imaging classroom training. Insight Training, LLC, your best bet for tick training. The Firehouse Tribune, where inspiration was forged by those who came before us, opening the doors for us to build a path, a path to share our mission with the rest of the emergency service world. With a small, tight-knit team of first responders dedicated to sharing experiences and knowledge, we constantly strive to provide our followers with thought-provoking content from all aspects of emergency services and life. Our contributors speak at top fire and EMS conferences in the country. They have been guests on numerous fire service podcasts and will even come and speak at your firehouse or event. Interested? Visit their website, www.thefirehousetribune.com and find them on Facebook using The Firehouse Tribune and on Twitter, at FH Tribune, and on Instagram, FH Tribune. We live by one motto, not just in emergency services, but in life as well. Excellence is a habit, not a goal. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. Welcome to Chief Miller. Chief Miller operates the largest social media page dedicated to the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Check him out on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller. And check out the website where you can find Chief Miller Apparel at ChiefMillerApparel.com. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. I'm your host, Steve Green. And as I mentioned earlier, my guest today is a great friend of the podcast and supporter. Um, he has been here and there whenever uh, I've needed him. We've known each other for almost uh, almost 20, at least 25 years, I would imagine. And my guest today is uh, Executive Assistant Chief Todd J. LaDuke of the Broward County Sheriff's Office Division of Fire Rescue Services. He currently serves as the Assistant Fire Chief and is also the Secretary of the International Association of Fire Chiefs Safety, Health, and Survival Section. He is a peer reviewer for both professional credentialing and agency accreditation with the Center for Public Safety Excellence. He holds a master's degree in the fire service leader in fire service leadership, is a designated chief fire officer, and certified emergency manager, and holds fellow status in the Institute of Fire Engineers. He publishes and, and uh, speaks at conferences frequently, is on numerous editorial advisory boards, and has conducted consulting studies of public safety agencies in over a dozen states. He has been recognized both by the IAFC and the IAFF 
for his leadership on firefighter survival. He is also a board member of the YMCA of South Florida and Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies of Broward County. Todd, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to welcome you back to the show. Thanks, uh, thanks, Steve. It's always a, a special treat uh, for me to uh, spend some time uh, with you and uh, uh, with your listeners and your audience, uh, uh, talking about our uh, our collective passion for uh, uh, making the fire service a little bit uh, safer and a little bit healthier. So, thanks for having me back. It's always an honor to uh, to be on. Thank you very much, and we always enjoy working with you and having you with us and even some of the work we do offline uh, for the our passion, as you said, which is firefighter health, wellness, and fitness for duty. So speaking of that, here we are in mid-April already, and that means that the Congressional Fire Service Caucus Symposium is forthcoming. Yeah, it's uh, kind of hard, hard to believe uh, time flies, but... Uh... You're absolutely right. You know, the uh, Congressional Fire uh, Caucus uh, will be holding uh, its its uh, symposium, educational workshops, its meeting of, uh, I believe they're estimating about 2,000 fire service uh, leaders from across the United States will be gathering in uh, Washington uh, next week. And it'll be a, an opportunity to uh, share what the national uh, fire service organizations have been working on, what inroads they've made. It'll be another opportunity for uh, attendees to uh, spend some uh, time with their respective uh, legislative delegations and legislative aides um, on issues that are important uh, to uh, their respective states and their respective uh, fire service members. And uh, this, you know, I'm, I'm quite honored that uh, this will be a number of years that I've been able to attend, and uh, I'll be uh, actually uh, presenting on uh, Wednesday. We'll be looking at a uh, presentation on uh, where we're at in the United States on, uh, I think you and I have talked about it before, really the, the three big issues that are confronting the fire service from a preventable, um, needless uh, deaths and disabilities, and, and those are the uh, um, obviously, the scourge of occupational firefighter cancer. There's a lot of work being done on the research front on that. We're seeing lots of uh, changes within the service. Obviously, I'm very passionate about uh, not only mitigating the risk and, and preventing, but uh, uh, combining that with early detection of, of any type of occupational cancer through uh, NFPA uh, 1582 physicals and, and early detection. Uh, we know that uh, you know the the outcomes when cancers are identified at the earliest stages are are very very favorable to uh, to survival, and unfortunately we know that if we we pick them up uh, in their later stages, uh, the odds really um, with our current treatment modalities uh, aren't aren't as favorable for for long term survival. So we'll be talking about what's going on nationally on the cancer front. Um, also, as part of my, my presentation, we'll be looking at uh, some of the cardiovascular um, science and risk that's evolving. Uh, we're, we're starting to uh, find from some of the research by uh, Dr. Denise Smith from Skidmore and their friend of mine and um, Dr. Uh, Stephanos Kales from, from Harvard Public Health, uh, another dear friend of mine. Um, some of the work that's, that's being done to look at um, changes that actually occur um, in the heart muscle of firefighters, uh, enlarged hearts, enlarged uh, 
uh, ventricle. Um, sometimes uh, the research is showing us being driven by a number of factors, uh, excessive weight uh, that we carry. Sometimes as firefighters, uh, untreated uh, hypertension mm-hmm. as firefighters. So um, some of the research that's, that's coming out is looking at enhanced uh, screening, that we can screen for those type of changes in firefighters. And when we identify them, they are very treatable uh, with treatment modalities, ACE inhibitors and other treatments that, that can reduce our risk of cardiac events as firefighters. And then uh, uh, the, the last kind of piece of my presentation uh, will, will be where we're at as a, as a U.S. fire service and even an international fire service on uh, the behavioral health front. And again, I think you and I have spoken before. We've got uh, studies that are, about, that are out there, many of them we believe under report, but We've, we're seeing uh, significant rates of post-traumatic stress disorder, some, some as high as 37% in firefighters, wow. sleep issues, uh, depression, anxiety. And then uh, we, we know um, the, the far end of the spectrum for behavioral health is uh, firefighter suicide. And we know um, from published studies that are out there, um, both the rates of uh, suicide ideation, some numbers as high as 49% of firefighters at some point in their career consider or think about suicide. And uh, there's some published reports of uh, numbers as high as 16% or so that actually 15 to 16% actually attempt suicide. So uh, we've got uh, we've got to do a better job on, on putting a safety net in place. Uh, for the behavioral health of our first responders and firefighters. And, and uh, many of those behavioral health disease processes can be, again, screened for as part of uh, early detection and, and uh, appropriately with intervention. So I, I'm honored to be uh, spending a couple hours on Wednesday afternoon uh, presenting that information, having a, a candid dialogue, hopefully, with uh, many of the leaders from around the country of the American Fire Service. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Thursday, I, I'm uh, blessed to be, I uh, was asked to uh, uh, sit in on a panel discussion that's going to be led by uh, Chief Ron Sarnicki from the National Fallen Firefighters. And we'll have uh, uh, representatives from the IFF, the National Volunteer Fire Council, and uh, uh, I'll be representing the International Association of Fire Chiefs on that discussion. And uh, it'll be uh, from each of those organizations, kind of a State of the Union uh, address. We'll, we'll each present about 10 minutes on uh, the key issues at each of our respective uh, associations uh, that we're representing, what we've been working on, um, obviously, on the IFC front. We've spent a a significant amount of time um, working on uh, firefighter physicals. Uh, We we know from some of the research that that we've done um, that we still have more work to do. We know that uh, some some literature that's out there, some survey work that's been done shows that, well, we have about a million two firefighters in the the United States, still about uh, five to 600,000, we estimate, are not getting. Uh, an annual uh, physical or, or certainly not a, uh, an occupationally appropriate annual physical. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we've got a lot more work to do on that. Uh, our volunteer combination officer section of the IFC uh, um, 
you know, complementary to safety, health, and survival section. They've put out uh, some some great resources: a lavender report, a yellow ribbon report, which um, respectively focused on uh, uh, best practices for cancer prevention, and uh, and also best practices for behavioral health uh, support of firefighters. So that should be. Uh, I'm honored to join the IFF and the uh, National Volunteer Fire Council um, in that discussion and. It's always a pleasure with Chief Sarnicky uh, and the National Fallen Firefighters to uh, kind of share um, the work that's being done across the United States and, and internationally. So uh, um, it, it's really an honor to uh, to represent the close to 12,000 members of the IFC. And, uh, and then uh, a special treat for me at that uh, event is our uh, Florida uh, Health and Safety Collaborative, uh, which which I was one of the uh, founding members of that organization, uh, going back several years now, and they they've done a tremendous job with uh, creating uh, a number of regions throughout the state of Florida and uh, sharing best practices with regards to firefighter health and safety. They are being uh, recognized uh, Thursday night with the uh, Senator Paul Sarbanes Award for the work that they've done and. I've just been real honored to be a small part of that. Uh, they've got a great group of, of folks uh, uh, working together uh, to, to bring a healthier and safer fire service across the state of Florida. So I'm glad to see uh, they're being recognized for their effort and their leadership. And uh, I'll, I'll be tickled to be uh, present for that and, uh, and just share in the, the great success that they've had. So uh Looking forward to it. That'll be at the Thursday night uh, congressional uh, dinner. Uh, I believe the uh, keynote speaker will be the United States Fire Administrator. Um, so we'll have uh, we'll have remarks from the U.S. Fire Administration as to uh, uh, again the national uh, state of the union for the fire service. So it's it's uh, it'll be a pleasure to be up in D.C. The uh, cherry blossom season hopefully is still in full bloom and. Uh, um, We'll, we'll share uh, with about 2,000 members of the U.S. Fire Service uh, what we've accomplished and what more work we have to do on the, on the front of uh, health and safety. Sounds like a, uh, a full agenda coming up. But you mentioned one thing that I want to just uh, stress a little bit more for our listeners that you and I have talked about, and that is the fact that as a firefighter and on the, on the cancer front, most of so far, I believe most of our cancers in the fire service have been discovered after retirement. And some some guys think, well, it's you know I got plenty of time before anything can happen to me. But I think we need to stress with them that any exposure that we don't mitigate can lead to a possible occurrence of some type of cancer and that's why one of the reasons why we need early detection so that as you said we have such great success in many cases of the early detection that a patient can be treated released and back to work um, as quickly as possible but we have to have our mind open to the fact that this can happen at any time that that's for sure uh 
you know, we know uh, depending on the type of cancer, some of them some of them uh, grow at uh, slower rates than than other more aggressive uh, forms of cancer. The the key goal um, obviously is to pre- prevent the exposures, uh, so so we mitigate uh, the the risk of contracting cancer as much as as we can. Um, but also, um, you know, annual physicals with early detection. And you're absolutely right. That shouldn't stop uh, when your career or service stops, that we know that uh, you've had cumulative exposures, whether that be on the cancer front or the cardiovascular or behavioral, and those continue into, in many cases, our post-service years. So you really need to have that continued uh, annual screening uh, appropriate for firefighters. Uh, again, firefighters, you know, uh, one of the we, we all look at the different recommendations that are out there, whether that's the United States uh, Preventative Task Force uh, uh, recommendations on, you know, when people should be screened with what tests. Uh, largely, those those were developed in general population um, members of our society. Those are not um, specific to firefighters. So we have to be careful, um, you know, when we talk about annual screenings, right. uh, we, we have to be very careful that we're getting, uh, you know, that our that our healthcare providers, whoever's providing us those medical, physicals, and screenings, that they, they know exactly what our job entails because it's different. We know that the, the rates of cancer in firefighters are different from other occupations. We know the, the suicide risk in a firefighter is very different from general population, and, and we know the the risk of dying from uh, heart disease or, or even the risk of uh, uncontrolled hypertension in firefighters, you know, 12 times risk of a cardiac event from uh, hypertension not being controlled sure. is very different uh, than in, in, you know, our neighbors uh, within our community who have other professions. So, so uh, your, your point's very well taken, Steve. I, I think uh, not only do we have to continue to be diligent in our in our post-service years, but uh, we need to make sure that whoever's providing those uh, screenings, that uh, they, they've actually taken the time to learn what we do as firefighters and our unique health risk. Right. And, you know, we, you and I had talked about it multiple times, and off air, you and I, I shared with you that um, I had, had two scares where I had to go to see my oncologist. Uh, one was just due to a... a misreading of a uh, MRI uh, film, and that turned out to be nothing. And then this last time, the oncologist wanted to make a decision. He said, we need to know what is going on, why your your platelets are low one time, but then they find the next, and why you're anemic in one time and you find the next. And he wanted to do the test, which is a bone marrow assay. He wanted to do it right there in the office. And I had all these thoughts swimming in my head right away. And sure, I knew sure. this, I've known this guy now for several years because friends of mine, a late friend of mine who was seeing him asked me to come in with them to kind of help interpret some of what he was, the, le- the medical ease that he was using. And the doctor and I hit it off. And that's why I, I chose him when I had to go. We did the test and it was, it was a tiny bit uncomfortable. I'm not going to say I was in pain. It was, but he was very good with it. And he stood by everything he told me in the, in the setup to how he does the procedure. I asked him as I was getting dressed and I said to him, I said, let me ask you a question. What's the, if this comes out with a positive marker, I said, what's the chance that it's related to my fire service? Cause I only had eight years 
and I've been out for over 30. And he says, depending on what it comes up with, I might be ready to bet my bottom dollar that it's going to go back to when you're in the fire service. So, Very powerful. So Very powerful. this, yeah. So this was. I mean, I've been out since '85. So if a guy like me who's been out this long and was working in a time where a lot of what was burning was non, specifically non-toxic, because we hadn't been starting to use all these high-level um, organic compounds in the plastics and everything like we do now. So this stuff today burns much hotter is much more lethal with what it offers when it burns. And yet the doctor was pretty well co- convinced that if I had a positive marker, and thank God I did not, it was negative. Absolutely, but thank God. He, um, he would have said, yeah, it's probably, for you, it's probably going to be due to an exposure during those eight years. So we need to remember, and this is the message we need to get across, that you and I work so hard for, as do our friends from UM Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Centers and the uh, Firefighter Cancer Foundation, et cetera, that if we don't get tested, we are, it's like walking on full ice, uh, walking on ice that you don't know how cold it's been or how hard that ice is with wearing all your bunker gear and carrying all your tools. No, you're absolutely right, Steve. I know I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, you know, even within Broward, one of our, I think one of our greatest accomplishments uh, has been getting in place mandatory uh, 1582 physicals. We use uh, uh, LifeScan wellness centers, which are based there, you know, in Florida. They've been, they've been doing firefighter physicals for the last 20 years. They do most of uh, the departments in Florida and uh, national now, but uh, just the, the findings that we've, we've found uh, and not just on the cancer front, we've, you know, found uh, cardiovascular issues, uh, hypertension that uh, uh, wasn't being managed well, diabetes. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we really have to, you know, we have to take care of ourselves, as they say, before we can take care of others. So, uh, um, you know, there's a, there's a department responsibility to, to make sure we're taking care of our members. Um, but there's also a personal responsibility, too. Exactly. To point out. You've got to be diligent. You know, when you leave the department, you've got to continue that annual um annual checkup so uh right on i'm, I'm very glad to hear uh, and you've shared with me but for for your viewers you've had a couple of scares and i'm glad to hear that uh you know uh with appropriate screening and testing you were able to rule out those being uh something serious so uh that's that's uh you know always thankful but you you gotta have you gotta have that screening which uh, you've been a great example for right and also let's remind our listeners that if you're a member of the IAFF, you can go to their website, and on the website there you will find a link to the page that will provide you with a outline template that you can take, you can print out and take to your physician or the fire surgeon or whoever is going to do your physical. Take that with you and present it to them, fill out the top, telling them who you are and that you are a firefighter. And this will explain to them what the exposure, so you don't have to try to recall everything. This helps explain what the possibilities are and what should be t- you should be tested and looked for. If you're a member of the National Volunteer Fire Council, you can go to their website and they have a booklet for firefighter. Main, I think it's called Maintaining Firefighter Health and Wellness. So look for that 
book booklet there. You can download that. And they also have a template you can take to your physician or whoever's going to do your annual physical. And this way, you and your physician are going to be on the same page every time he or she sees you. They're going to know you're a firefighter. You can always up, update them with what kind of fires, maybe in the in the over the course of the year since your last physical, you had a huge fire at an electrical substation and the oil and the transformers was burning and there was a lot of sooty, dirty carbon all around you. Let them know that. That's an experience they need to put in there because that changes their view. So both the IAFF and the NVFC are behind the firefighters of this country to help you any way they can to help you help yourself and take care of yourself, hopefully as your department and your community is doing as well. Absolutely. All right. So I think we're going to take a break here, folks. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Chief LaDuke about uh, this wonderful passion of his, which is surviving uh, the fire service and retiring happy and healthy. So we'll be right back with our guest, Chief Tom Duke, right after these words. Please stay tuned. No matter where we live or no matter the season, there is always work to be done that makes us sweat. Just how can we keep cool? Well, Hennessy Distributing has the answer. Cool towels. Cool towels are 100% cotton towel and pre-moistened with all natural ingredients. The best part? No water is needed. Just open your cool towel pack, remove the towel and give it a couple of shakes, and you're all set. Wrap it around your neck like a kerchief, wipe your face, arms, neck, or any exposed skin, and it is approximately 20 to 30 degrees below the ambient temperature. Wait, did it warm up? No problem. Just shake it a couple of times again, and cool towel delivers its refreshing cool touch all over again. When the cooling mixture has expired, use your cool towel as you would any cloth or rag around the house. Because it is manufactured from 100% cotton, your cool towel is 100% recyclable. For more information or to get your cool towel today, visit www.cooltowel.com or call 1-800-918-8323. Remember, you're going to work and you're going to sweat. Make cool towel your answer to keeping cool. The tone sound and the dispatcher announces stations 14 and 16 working residential structure. And that was all you needed to hear. You jump up from your chair, head to the engine and climb into the jump seat. As the queue screams, you take stock of your PPE, bunker pants, check, turnout coat, check, hood, check, gloves, check, escape line, check, SCBA strapped on. You're ready. Upon arrival, you jump off the apparatus, grab the loops of the red cross lay and head for the open front door where smoke is pouring out. You make sure your buddy's behind you. You crouch low and make your way inside. You trust the SCBA mask hanging on your tool belt. What? Stop everything. What the hell are you thinking? You see it's a working room and contents fire, and the smoke is banking down almost to the floor. Who do you think you are, Superman? One breath of that crap and the smoke will damage you in some way, guaranteed. All the soot, carbon, carcinogens, and other outgassing materials will enter your body through the pores on your unprotected face. Don't be the domino, the first person down that forces everyone else to change their tasks to take care of you. Always remember, face peace on. You have comrades depending on you and a family to go home to. Face peace on. You're ready to call it a night. The kids are tucked in, the lights are out, and the dog's in the den. 
seems all is calm. But stop, it's not all right. To keep you and your family safe in the event of a fire, we're advising you to close before you doze. Close your bedroom doors when you go to sleep. Why? Because closed doors dramatically decrease heat and carbon monoxide levels, which provide trapped occupants more time for help to arrive. And closed doors can slow the spread of the fire, increase oxygen levels, and decrease temperatures dramatically. You've invested in smoke, fire, and carbon monoxide detectors. You've even practiced Edith drills with your family. Now learn another important way to protect all of you. Close before you doze. Also remember, if you are able to escape, make sure the last one out closes the main door. Remember, close before you doze. This message is brought to you by the UL Fire Safety Team, closebeforeyoudoze.org, your local fire department, and this podcaster. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alum Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders with my guest, returning guest and good friend and a supporter of the podcast, Assistant Chief Todd LaDuke of the Broward County Sheriff's Office, Fire Rescue Services. Todd and I share, among, among others uh, with us, share a strong passion about firefighter health, wellness, and fitness for duty, as well as, of course, the cancer and the behavioral health initiatives. And so today's kind of like a, a state of the union a little bit. Uh, Todd has been with us for several months, both because of his schedule and my schedule, but we're able to work out today. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about, again, one of his passions, and he led a great workshop last, uh, last year called Surviving the Fire Service. Todd, why don't you talk about what the, what the conference was about when you started it, and then where you're going now with the workshops and the book, please. Sure. So what we, uh, I guess this goes back uh, almost three years now, uh, we created the uh, Surviving the Fire Service uh, Conference here in Broward County. We partnered uh, uh, with Nova Southeastern University, which were very gracious hosts and uh, had a lot of uh, great partnerships with the uh, IFF and uh, uh, members of the community and I think the first first one we held, we had 300 attendees from 10 different states, and uh, so it was, it was very much a, a success. And the whole focus was, I think, the first year we focused on behavioral health. The second year we we expanded to look at uh, cardiovascular, the cancer risk that's out there. So what, having seen that success and, and knowing that uh, uh, we've got 1.2 million firefighters or so here within the, the United States of America, um, it started thinking, how, how can we how can we get the, the message? Out to the masses, perhaps? So uh, with, with that in mind, I had a great conversation with a dear friend and, and colleague that many of you are familiar with, Chief Bobby Halpin, who, of course, is uh, editor-in-chief of Fire Engineering and yeah, uh, puts on uh, what some would say is uh, the the greatest show on earth of the fire service, uh, which is our FDIC. Uh, this past year, I think they had thirty eight thousand attendees uh, last week. Uh, but we talked about how how do we get how do we get this message of surviving the fire service? We've got all this knowledge about some of the the threats to our survival, and we need to. We need to do a better job at communicating that information. So, uh, with his with his tremendous support, um, we came up with the idea of uh, uh, bringing together a group of of colleagues and friends and just uh, who's who within this area of, uh, of firefighter survival and and 
put together a book, Surviving the Fire Service. So uh, I'm, I'm honored that uh, that will be coming out this year. Uh, it'll be published by Fire Engineering and Clarion, uh, which is the parent company. I'm honored, very honored that uh, Bobby has uh, joined as one of the co-authors of the book, so uh, serving as editor, uh, but I've got so many talented co-authors that have really dedicated their, their professional lives to uh, to the same cause, which is, you know, let's reduce the amount of uh, line of duty deaths and disabilities by putting the, the proper information into the hands of today's firefighters, today's retirees, their families, those that are considering the fire service. So just to kind of run down, uh, we've got a, a whole chapter on cancer in the fire service at uh, Brian Frieders from out in California and president of the Firefighter Cancer Support Network has, has written uh, doctors, uh, Denise Smith and Stephanos Kales from Harvard have a whole chapter on uh, cardiovascular risk and what you need to know. Dr. Sarah Janke and, and Captain uh, Frank Lido from the FDNY Fire Department, uh, New York City, uh, have a whole chapter on the behavioral health threats. We've got, which I find exciting, a, a whole chapter in there um, on women's health issues in the fire service. We know only about 5% of the American fire service uh, is comprised of women firefighters. And we know that uh, we need to do a better job at studying uh, the issues that affect them. So we've we've dedicated a whole chapter uh, on that topic. Uh, we talk about tactical athletes and human performance. Uh, uh, Adam LaRue from O2X, um, a good friend and colleague, and thank his service as a Navy SEAL, um, has a whole chapter just talking about what we need to do to prepare ourselves, both mentally, physically, nutrition-wise, to to be ready to perform at that high level on the fire ground. Uh, we've got a chapter on the importance of proper nutrition. Keep, uh, we've got Chief Jeff Johnson, who uh, is now at the Newport News Fire Department, but uh, retired as Deputy Chief from uh, Kansas City. He has a whole chapter on fire ground survival, what we need to be thinking about situational awareness on the fire ground. Uh, Bobby Halton has got a whole piece, of, he's put together on post-traumatic growth when we have these horrific experiences that we are exposed to as firefighters. Uh, how do we learn from those and, and grow from those and, and not uh, not end up with the behavioral health issues that unfortunately we see? Dr. Mike Hamrock from Boston Fire Department will be talking about a, a whole chapter on uh, medical screenings and the importance of annual physicals. And then uh, we've got a whole chapter from uh, Dr. Gavin Horn from the Illinois uh, State Fire uh, Institute, and he'll be talking about heat stress uh, and the importance of how we manage that uh, to prevent uh, cardiovascular and other issues. So that that's going to be, I think, a tremendous book. And just uh, just recently, uh, a late comer, but I'm so glad to have her on board uh, as a co-author is Dr. Lori Moore Merrill from the uh, IFF. Lori, I've known for years, is a good friend. She's assistant to the uh, general president of the IFF. In fact, she just retired and is now starting as CEO uh, of Data Institute. So she's uh, got a whole chapter talking about community risk reduction. How do we do the things we need to do to reduce the risk in our community before we ever have to respond? Right. Uh, so it, it's, uh, I, I can't tell you how honored I am to have uh, 
this group of distinguished colleagues uh, come together with me to create what I what I hope becomes a, a legacy for the American Fire Service is uh, what do you need to know before you start your career and then throughout your service into retirement to, to protect yourself and make make your career survivable. So we've got that book coming out. Be on the lookout for it. I'm sure Bobby's going to uh, help promote it. And we're going to give a portion of the proceeds back to uh, uh, Firefighter um, Foundation to uh, to continue to work on uh, preventing preventable causes of death and disability. So the, the book will be uh, giving back to that cause. And then uh, we've We've been so blessed to take this and, and basically package it uh, on the road. So we'll be doing uh, uh, several-day workshops with the faculty or the, the co-authors of the book. will come together. We're doing our first one next month at the Oregon Public Safety Training Academy in Portland. So the, the state of Oregon is funding this two-day workshop, Surviving the Fire Service, where uh, Bobby's going to uh, Bobby's going to be the the keynote speaker to kick us off, and then we've got uh, myself and a number another uh, number of other co-authors that will be uh, doing the two days of uh, information again to get the word out and across the country. We've got other uh, other ones. Uh, September scheduled for Kansas City. The uh, mid United States chiefs have come together to. Uh, to sponsor that. I think the United States Fire Administrator is going to join us at that one with opening remarks. And then uh, the state of South Carolina has asked us to uh, put on a two-day Surviving the Fire Service workshop before the end of the year at the South Carolina Fire Academy. So that would be for the entire state. So uh, I'm hopeful that uh, with, with this group of talented and passionate members of the fire service all collaborating together for the same cause, which is to make it safer, to make it healthier, to make it just managing our, our risk and in, in surviving um, as we as we do our call to passion and service that we all have. So uh, real excited and uh, appreciate Steve, you asking the opportunity to kind of share a little bit about that uh, exciting uh, uh, rollout that's, that's going to be coming again starting uh, next month in Oregon. It's available uh, if any, anyone that's listening wants to host uh, uh, feel free to reach out uh, uh, through uh, either my email, tjlbcems uh, at aol.com, or through or through the uh, the show itself. I know Steve, you know how to get a hold of me. So right. uh, we're, we're committed. Uh, we're, we're also uh, discussing with the First Responder Center of Excellence about partnering with them and, and being a, a vehicle that they can use to, to continue to sponsor these workshops uh, to get the message out around the country. That sounds great. And yes, of course, folks, if, if you do need, want to get in touch to learn more, you can always send an email to the show here, dalmatprod, all one word, D-A-L-M-A-T-P-R-O-D, dalmatprod at outlook.com. And I'll get forward to uh, to Chief LaDuke and he'll, he'll be sure to get it that way. You know, it's funny, if about a little over a month ago, we had another former firefighter, Mauro Pacelli from Orlando on, who wrote the book Surviving the Firehouse. So maybe we should put these put these uh, two books together in a package deal, Surviving the Firehouse and Surviving the Fire Service, and putting it together. Because his book actually did guide anybody who's interested in becoming a firefighter, uh, what it takes 
the academy, EMT, paramedic, all that, and what life was like in the firehouse, basically. And it was, it's a great little tome to, to give you an overall picture of what this life is like. And it's written by somebody who did it for, I think, 25 years. And you have Todd and, and Bobby Halton and these other great contributors contributing to this book, uh, Surviving the Firehouse, uh, Surviving the Fire Service. This is also going to give you that same inf- the same type of information, but it's going to be about you as a person. It's not going to be about tactics. It's not going to be about entry. It's not going to be about venting. It's not going to be against about smooth bore versus fog nozzle. This is going to guide you on your physical and mental life through the fire service. It can only be another firefighter that can that can tell you how needed this kind of a program is. It was needed 30 years ago, and it's needed today because the fire service has changed dramatically. Dramatically. That's that's absolutely right. It's all about empowering our uh, firefighters with with the appropriate information. So uh, it's just getting getting the word out and the information out and uh, empowering firefighters to be a little bit safer in our practices. Exactly. And that's something that we, we, we have to remember. You, we have to stop letting the ego get in the way of the passion we have for the job. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about this job. I would say 99% of us are. We love doing what we do, whether we're career, volunteer, part pay, pay on call, whatever. We love what we do. But we need to remember that we have to do it safely. It's not a matter of who's more macho than the next one, who's the bigger, who buys the round of drinks at the bar more often. That has nothing to do with it. This is about who you are as a person, physically and mentally, through your time in the fire service. And, you know, we can tell you, you can, there are firehouse, firehouses all around this country who had incidents that they never, ever expected never even foresaw in their worst nightmares that have occurred. And we could look at the calendar or the news clips and we will all know what I'm talking about. But you don't know when that next, oh my God, OMG, is going to happen in your fire district and how you're going to be able to handle it. You think you'll be able to handle anything. But Todd... And I and many other firefighters, current, retired, can tell you that is not going to be the case. There's going to be something in your service time that's going to knock you over emotionally and bend you in half and twist you like a pretzel. Now, a lot of people can come out of that on their own, but a lot of us can't. And the age of we'll just suck it up has ended. We're not going to say that anymore. We're going to treat and make sure that our brothers and sisters who are suffering from some sort of behavioral health issue can find someone to help them, can get the guidance and the help that they need, and God willing, come back to the be active members and productive members of the fire service. That's what we're talking about. 
That's yeah. absolutely right, Steve. You know, the old adage, knowledge is power. Exactly. And, uh, that's what the message is, is getting the, the proper knowledge out and empowering our, our fire service of today that's to it. take the actions uh, they need to, to uh, do the, the job that they passionately love and care about for their communities, but uh, at the same time uh, to take care of themselves and each other. Very true. So true. All right. So we're going to take a break here, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about some breaking news here in the state of Florida regarding the fire service and a little surprise news that we're going to hear in just a couple of minutes. So we'll be right back with our guest, Chief Todd LaDuke, right after these words. Please stay tuned. You are listening to Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave. But unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly... It's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. And my guest is Assistant Chief Todd LaDuke of the Broward County Sheriff's Office, Fire Rescue Services. He's been giving us a kind of like update on what's happening on the health and safety side of the fire service. We've talked about the Congressional Fire Service Caucus Symposium, which is next week that he'll be at and speaking there. And recently we just talked about the Surviving the Fire Service Workshop program. They'll be making a tour around the country, plus the book that's coming out that Todd worked with, uh, Chief Bobby Halton of Fire Engineering and uh, Fire Engineering Magazine and the website and all the books that uh, Fire Engineering Clarion publish. And they're going to be taking care of this book as well. That'll be out soon. We'll let you know when it's available. And now in this segment... We headlined it. That's going to be breaking news because it is because there's news on the legislation in the uh, Florida government now 
regarding presumptive health issues with cancer. So, Todd, if you'll uh, tell the audience about our, where we are right now with that, please. Sure. So, uh, Steve, as you know, it's kind of, kind of exciting. Uh, we've had uh, uh, some movement on the legislative front. I believe there's, if I'm not mistaken, 43 uh, states in, in, uh, in the country that have uh, some form or another of uh, presumptive benefits by legislation, meaning that if certain types of cancers are, are contracted mm -hmm. and you are a firefighter, it's presumed uh, that that was uh, occupationally related and in the line of duty and benefits are, are provided to uh, to you and your family uh, for the for the care and treatment. So uh, we we unfortunately have not been one of the 43 states in Florida, which is which is a shame. So for the last several years, the Florida legislature legislature with endorsement and hard work by a lot of groups, uh, in particular the Florida firefighters, uh, professional firefighters of Florida, the Florida Fire Chiefs, uh, the Florida uh, uh, Health and Wellness Coalition have uh, been lobbying real hard through the legislative process. And the Florida legislature has appropriated revenues for studying this issue, and they've they've done so largely through the University of Miami Sylvester Cancer Center, who has done a, a tremendous amount of work uh, with research and also uh, educating and advocacy on the, the occupational cancer risk to firefighters. But just recently, uh, this session here, Tallahassee, uh, there was uh, bipartisan legislation that was uh, introduced. It has moved very quickly within the, the Florida Senate. It had been stalled for, for a bit, for some time actually, on the House side uh, of the Florida House. And that basically would, uh, as proposed, um, would uh, uh, give firefighters who had uh, five years of service from war and had been tobacco-free, uh, it would provide them uh, medical coverage outside of workman's compensation. So it would provide specific coverage for cancers. And I believe it was also a $25,000 stipend for, for additional expenses related to care. So it would cover both care and then a one-time $25,000 stipend where you wouldn't have to go through workman's compensation process. Um, and the bill, as, as currently proposed, would cover firefighters, even uh, I believe the language was 10 years post. So as long as you retired from service and you maintained your health benefits through your, your, your service employer, you would be covered for 10 years uh, post-service. Uh, so um, as I said, it had been stalled kind of in the House side. The exciting, I guess the breaking news is uh, the uh, leader of the House has, has supported the, the bill moving forward on the House side. You know, there, there's an old saying, uh, watching uh, legislation being made, it's kind of like watching sausage being made. It's, it's sometimes not pretty, <laughs> uh, but, it, but, but at the end, uh, when it all comes together, hopefully, it's got a good taste in, in, in everyone's mouth. Everyone maybe doesn't feel like they got everything that they, they were anticipating, but everyone got enough that they feel they got something in, in the art of compromise. So we don't, unfortunately don't see that enough these days in our political processes. But uh, as we're doing this show, the, the legislation is being heard. Uh, there's members from uh, South Florida. I know uh, Manny uh, Dade. Union president uh, is up there speaking on behalf of the bill. I know Chief Sam Eaton from uh, uh, Palm Beach County is up there and others. Um, 
that are that are strong supporters and telling the the toll of not only the firefighters we've lost tragically uh, in the state of Florida, those that are left behind, their mothers, their wives, their fathers, are, have been very passionate telling the story of their losses and the need for this legislation. Uh, but those that currently are battling uh, with occupational cancer and for those in the future that, that may be affected by it, the importance of this legislation and taking care of our of our first responders in the state of Florida. So I'm hopeful that we'll get, get some legislation that uh, both the House and the Senate can agree on. And then I know our Chief Financial Officer, Jimmy Patronis, and uh, our Governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, have been, been supportive in their public comments of this type of legislation. So hopefully we can get a bill to the governor's desk and, and hopefully he can sign it on behalf of cancer protections for uh, the state of Florida's first responders and firefighters. So important, important. Uh, and, uh, you know, for those that are, that, uh, are listening and are in Florida, it's important to follow this closely. And uh, hopefully this will be the session that we get it through and we, we get legislation enacted. Right. And, you know, uh, the chief financial officer has proven himself to be a great supporter of the fire service here in the state of Florida. Uh, he was instrumental in putting together the deal that last fall brought the on-scene gross decon bucket kits and the videos to fire departments all over the state. Uh, one bucket for each engine uh, did not cost you, did not cost the fire department any money whatsoever. All they had to do was fill out a grant request. It was free, and they got one bucket for each apparatus that they had, and that's to do gross decon on scene. And that was because, thanks to Mr. Patronus, and um, without his help, and his backing, I don't think this would have happened. So with his help, it did happen. So if you are listening, you're a firefighter in the state of Florida, double check. Find out if your department got the green. Uh, I'm pretty sure we you, they use green buckets for that. Um, I know our, our mutual friend, Heather Mazurkowitz, was very involved in working with the state to get this uh, organized and, and get this passed as well. And the state allotted a million dollars. Mr. Patronus allotted a million dollars so that not a single fire department would have to pay for these buckets, but everybody would get the bucket with the brush and instructions and a video of how to do it to do gross decon on scene before you get back onto, you, onto the apparatus. Because once you get on the apparatus and you're still soot-covered, you're now creating a, a path of toxins and carcinogens wherever you go until your gear is at least has a basic cleaning done to it, even if it's just the yeah, water, a, water in the brush. That's, that's, a great, that, that's a great point, Steve. You know, uh, we, we, the importance of this legislation passing and the benefits it provides can't be understated, but uh, we also need to, to be mindful that the, uh, uh, we have to do our part with uh, prevention and uh, uh, reducing, mitigating our exposures, and right. uh, as well as the annual physicals. So, uh, Chief Financial Officer Patronus has been a tremendous friend of the fire service, and I'm confident our governor will be as well on this issue. Uh, but uh, it's a total package. It definitely is a total package. We have to have the prevention. We have to have the decontamination. We have to have the annual physicals. And, and if all that doesn't work, we've got to make sure we take care of the health care needs of our of our firefighters. Right. And as uh, another good friend of the show, uh, Chief Robert Fling, said, you know what, folks? Let's just treat 
every working fire, whether it's a dumpster, a building, a vehicle, just treat every working fire as a hazmat situation. And think of yourself that way and how you want to come off, come out of there. That's there's certainly a lot yeah. to be said for that, for, uh, from protecting. We know our exposures, uh, that's, that's where we're exposed. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, uh, we need to treat it. We need to treat it like any other exposure we would have. So, uh, point very well taken. All right. Now, uh, I just got a bulletin in from the newsroom here that says there's more breaking news that says that uh, there's a change coming in your life. Yeah, there, there absolutely is, uh, Stephen. Uh, you know, it's after uh, over 29 years. Uh, I think I celebrated my 29th anniversary with the Broward County Florida Fire Service uh, uh, February 19th that uh, I'll be shortly here. Uh, May 24th, we'll be having a, a formal uh, retirement ceremony. Station 32, our heavy rescue, technical rescue station in uh, Fort Lauderdale. So I'll be after 29 plus years of service retiring from Broward County. And I'm uh, very excited about uh, another professional opportunity that has been uh, afforded myself. And uh, while I'm not ready to announce it yet, uh, I'm sure at the appropriate time as we get closer, uh, the, the partnership uh, will, will be uh, formally announced that I'm excited will allow me to continue on a larger scale uh, to uh, continue to pursue the passions and hopefully make an impact on the health and safety of firefighters as I've been able to do uh, through uh, my service in Broward and with the IFC. So uh, kind of bittersweet. I, uh, other than a few years working in the greater uh, New England, Massachusetts, Merrimack Valley, uh, EMS service, I, I really have grown up in, in the Broward County, Florida, fire rescue service from uh, you know the age, early age of 21 and I'll be retiring here in less than a month. So uh, it's exciting and uh, at the same time I've had a wonderful career. I've had uh, the tremendous honor of uh, working with wonderful, wonderful colleagues and uh, great service with the uh, Broward County residents. Uh, been able to contribute to uh, to watch Broward County grow uh, over the years, and hopefully leave it leave it a little bit healthier and a little bit safer. And um, I'll, I'll always look back uh, with fondness uh, on Broward County Fire Service and uh, what it's afforded myself and my family. And, and uh, hopefully, I've I've made some contribution that'll uh, be long lasting as well. Well, there's no doubt that it will be because, especially since. We've been working together on the podcast. You know, you've been with me almost the whole uh, three years because you've made such an impact with your focus on firefighter health, wellness, fitness for duty, and the, and the mental health uh, and cancer initiatives. And you've always been at the forefront of the issue. And that's how you and I started again. Uh, you know, we, we kind of, we met 29 years ago at a mutual friend's wedding um, and uh, kind of just connected. But then we just kind of like we're in different ways doing different things. Finally, when I started the podcast and got on social media, Todd and I reconnected and uh, he's been a great supporter of the podcast, but more importantly, the work that he's done to support his brothers and sisters in the Broward County Fire Rescue Services. He is a leading the charge, carrying the torch 
to keep the men and women of Broward County Fire Rescue Services as healthy as possible and help guide, guide them through a wonderful career where he can. Luckily, his position gave him that ability to, to see, you know, not just focused on one uh, battalion or just one small, one station, something like that. He got to work with the entire department. There were things that we didn't do on the show, but there were posts in, in news, local news, television, and and uh, newspaper of all the great work that Todd that you have done over your years with Broward Fire Rescue, and I'm sure that they will they will also remember you with great fondness and with great great admiration because of your dedication to the community, your dedication to uh, the firefighters and your dedication to making uh, Broward County a, a stronger and a, and a safer place to live by everything, that all the work that you've done. Well, thank you so much, uh, Steve, for those very, very kind words. And, uh, you know, I'm just humbled and honored. I know uh, um, I'm honored that uh, you were, uh, you're planning to uh, be able to attend my, my ceremony. I'm very humbled that the uh, Chief Bobby Halton from Fire Engineering is flying in to speak at my my ceremony. So uh, you know, it's 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 a humbling time for me, and it's uh, it's uh, just the transition uh, into a new uh, new chapter. So we'll, we'll continue to to collaborate. We'll continue to uh, hopefully you'll have me back on the show in my new capacity, and uh, we'll continue to uh, hopefully uh, you know keep keep pushing the, uh, the effort forward, uh, making our fire service as healthy and safe as we can so uh, our firefighters can uh, enjoy a, a long tenure of service and, and uh, a wonderful retirement and good health and, and uh, enjoy you know, the, the efforts of all their service and hard work that they've done for their community. So I'm, I'm humbled to be a small part of that. And thank you again for your very, very kind words. Well, they're just words from a friend who, who, who knows you, besides just being being the host and, and you know, the guest and, and knowing all the work. So I just wanted to make sure that our listeners uh, knew uh, just all about, all about the efforts and the hard work you've put in and towards really the goal of keeping firefighters healthy and alive. That's basically what it boils down to. If you have to put a target at the end of that tunnel, it's Todd has always fought to keep firefighters healthy and alive. And that's the most important thing. So, yes, you will absolutely be welcome back anytime uh, you're ready to come on uh, from the new position. We, we will look forward to having you back and learning about it and what you're going to be doing at that time. It's always been a pleasure to have you with me, Todd. You're, you've always been uh, a great guest, uh, more importantly, a great friend. And um, uh, I look forward and wish you the very best in, in the coming years with your new, the new endeavor. And like I said, look forward to having you back uh, in the not-too-distant future uh, to learn all about the, uh, the new path. So, uh, again, That's my great, Steve. Thank, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share, uh, share what, uh, what uh, my next, next chapter is as well. So uh, you've been a great friend, and... Uh, you continue to be a great advocate for the fire service, and I appreciate all you did. Thank you. Thank you very much. My, it's my pleasure and my dedication, my passion as well, as you know. My thanks to Chief Todd LeDuc, and we'll be right back right after these words. Please stay tuned. 
Remember when you were a young boy or girl and someone bullied you or teased you? Where did you most often turn to? Like many of us, you turned to your family. If you're a first responder, you probably no longer worry about those childhood problems, but there are plenty more that can affect us. Lack of sleep, the tragedy and horror we often see, even life's everyday stumbling blocks like family illness, money, and job problems, and more. So where do we turn now? Your gut reaction might be to keep it to yourself and not tell anyone about the hell you're going through. However, that's not going to help you or anyone else. Instead, you could start with your second family, someone you work with at the firehouse, on the ambulance, or at the station house. You spend a lot of time with them, don't you? And most of them understand many of the problems you're dealing with. Reach out to a coworker or an officer you trust. Speak to clergy of your house of worship. But don't keep it inside, gnawing away at you. That's not good for you or anyone around you. Know that there are people who stand ready to listen to you and help you without passing judgment. Remember, to carry out your oath to protect life and property, the first life you have to care for is your own. This message is brought to you by this podcaster. He's been there and done it. Have you ever thought about what brought you to the fire service? For some, it was our parents or grandparents. You know, a family thing. For others, it was the flashing red lights and that screaming siren. Me? I hadn't even thought about it. See, I planned on becoming a rabbi. A rabbi? That's right. But somewhere along the way to that goal, I wound up in bunker gear and riding a tailboard. Not only that, it happened with the fire department and the southern Bible belt. Sounds crazy, right? Well, if you like to read stories about the fire service and want to know how a kid from Boston wound up as a volunteer firefighter in North Carolina, pick up an electronic copy of my book, Fish Out of Water, Two Jewish Guys in a Deep South Fire Department, on Amazon. I tell my story of growing up and thinking I knew where I was going, but a turn of events brings me to North Carolina with a combination fire department just a mile down the road from my home. Stranger still is the fact that when being voted in, the guy I sat next to was also Jewish, and 40 years later, he's still my best friend and a business partner. Together, we share stories from being rookies to exciting calls, some firehouse fun, and difficult responses. Read about some tactics that were way ahead of their time, and others that we probably never would use again. Just go to bit.ly forward slash NC Firefighting, all one word. And remember, I'm sending proceeds from this book to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Stay safe and enjoy the ride. Hi, this is Steve. If you're a regular listener to the program, you know that every once in a while I insert a little brief editorial, and this is the one for this podcast. If you're a regular listener also, you're probably aware of one of the new key topics that we've been addressing, which is the situation for emergency workers who are on scene at an emergency on an active roadway, and then that scene is crashed into by distracted drivers or, for whatever other reason, drivers just plow right into the scene. Uh, we've had a couple of podcasts about it uh, in, the, in the last couple of months. We are actually now working on a panel podcast where we're going to have several uh, guests on a, as I was getting ready to do all this editing for this podcast, that a good friend of mine uh, who lives up in a little further north part of the state of Florida, 
who is an outfitter, an out, outfitter, and he uh, puts in, sells and installs emergency lights and vehicles, tow trucks, etc. And we were talking about, and he regularly listened to the podcast, and he says he has listened to this uh, blocker program discussion so much now that it's a part of his life. It is very, very important to him. It is so important to him that he made me this promise or offer to me to put on the podcast. If you are a department, a fire department, that is looking to create a blocker program for your department and your community, and you need lights for a blocker vehicle, maybe an arrow light, whatever, you need some sort of lighting for your blocker vehicle. No, this is not for volunteers driving their personal vehicles. This is not for a regular municipal to outfit all their vehicles. No, this is particularly for a blocker program, whether you're using an old fire apparatus or using a truck from DPW, wherever you got your vehicle, if you're going to need some lighting for that vehicle, my friend Nick is so connected now to this topic that he is willing upon with a letter from the chief of the department, he is willing to provide those lights to the department at cost. That's right. He will sell those lights to you at his cost because it is so important to him. And by the way, I should say that my friend Nick is also a former law enforcement officer. So he's seen this. He knows what this is about. And I think that's why he connected to it so readily and quickly. So again, if you're listening to this, and if you're not a chief officer, take it to your chief. If you are working on a blocking program, and you need some lights to help you outfit your blocker vehicle, you can contact me directly, Steve Green, at dalmatprod.outlook.com. From the chief, send me an email. I will, in turn, send that over to Nick, and I'll turn it over to Nick, and then the discussion will be between the chief and Nick. I'm out of it at that point. I'm just playing matchmaker here. So please... Don't, if you have a vehicle that you could use, please don't hesitate. This is a great opportunity to, to afford you the opportunity of getting some type of emergency lighting that you need for your blocking vehicle at cost. No markup whatsoever at cost. And that's because Nick sees how important this is. If you haven't also, if you haven't already visited the website respondersafety.com, please do. They have courses there you can take online. They have topics that you can read about this blocking problem and the and the terrible toll. Matter of fact, in uh, yesterday's email or maybe today's, I received an email of another recovery worker, a tow truck operator who was struck and killed. I believe it was in Mississippi. This has got to stop, and the only ones who can stop it are us, the emergency workers. We can't leave it to the public because they're the ones who are killing us. We have to take the bull by the horns, and we have to set these programs up ourselves in our communities. So again, please, if you need help, you have a blocking vehicle, but you need 
you know, to get some lights for a vehicle that very well may be, you know, hit by a semi or another car. You don't want to invest a thousand, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, but this is an opportunity for you to get great emergency lights at cost, at dealer cost. So drop me a line at dalmatprod.outlook.com. We'll connect you with Nick and the department and Nick will take it from there and hopefully put a deal together, get a blocker out on that highway and help save and preserve the life of all the emergency workers. And that's all the emergency workers. It's the firefighters. It's the police officers. It's EMS workers. And it's recovery operators. Okay? All of those lives can be hopefully saved with more blocking programs. We need them. There's no doubt about it. That's proof. It's it's given. It's done. We know we need these programs in communities that deal with emergencies on active roadways. And by the way, we're not just talking about interstates. We're talking about four-lane four active roadways, two in each direction. Sometimes we're talking about country roads, one lane in each direction. But the problem is not the roads. The problem lies with distracted drivers. I haven't come up with a way to get past them yet. But at least we can work to protect all our emergency workers who put their lives on the line to help us when we need it at an emergency on the roadway. So please, Steve Green, write to me at dalmatprod at outlook.com and we'll do the best we can to help you out. Please stay safe and stay well. And that's my view. Did you know that 90% of American communities are served by volunteer fire departments and that many of those departments are actively looking for more volunteers? When you hear those sirens, you say to yourself, wish I could do that. If you have the drive to serve, you can be a volunteer too. Volunteer and combo departments are always looking for new recruits. You'll be trained in the latest firefighting and rescue techniques and protecting your community at the same time. You'll be joining the ranks of over 1 million men and women who serve their cities and towns, protecting lives and property. Did you know that the founder of the first volunteer fire department was Benjamin Franklin? If old Ben can do it, so can you. Drop by your local fire department and introduce yourself. You just might know some of the folks already there. Before you know it, those volunteers will be like family. Anyone can be a volunteer, sure. It takes time and effort, but in your heart, you'll realize that it's all worth it. Want more information? Contact your local fire department or visit makemeafirefighter.org. And that wraps this episode of Five Alum Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. We'd like to thank our guest, Assistant Chief Todd LaDuke of the Broward County Sheriff's Office Fire Rescue Division for joining us to discuss what's new in the fire service regarding health, wellness, and fitness for duty. Did you know you can now find us and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and most podcast platforms? Just search for Five Alum Task Force. We also want to thank our sponsors, Insight Training LLC and the Firehouse Tribune, and our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, Hennessy Distributing, your source for the cool towel, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, Nestor Bars, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. 
If you would like to be a guest with us or have a suggestion for a show, please drop us a line to dalmatprod at outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at dalmatprod or at cause underscore origin and on Facebook at forward slash dalmatprod or dalmatprodfire. And stay up to date with all the news about our podcast, Dalmatian Productions, and our blog on our website, www.dalmatianproductions.tv. I'm Steve Green. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and let's make sure everyone goes home.